Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and this uh, vodcast is brought to you from Baltimore, Maryland. Today's February 1st, only two weeks to my course in Orlando, which uh, probably will mean nothing to you since many of you will be listening to this tape weeks after the course was done. But anyway, I thought I'd just remind you. And it's never too late to book for our course, the 24th Annual Course, President's Week in 2008 or President's Week in 2009, or President's Week in 2010, all at the Disney Yacht Club. Anyway, let's get started. And this will be a talk on the mesenteric vasculature, a guide to abdominal pathology. And uh, I'm going to touch on several key points. And uh, first, I'll start off with protocols. When you want to do dedicated examination of the mesenteric vasculature, you typically need dual-phase imaging. You need thin sections, 0.75 by 0.5 is the way we do it on a 64-slice scanner. Gives us very nice isotropic data sets, which are critical. Once you have these isotropic data sets, of course, you can really interrogate the volume, getting excellent detail both in the vascular map as well as in the adjacent soft tissues. Now, my uh, focus in this talk will be to tell you, and I'll give you the conclusion, you gotta look at the sagittal perspective. There's so much information on this lateral or sagittal view, whether it's NPR or 3D, that it's critical across a range of uh, applications from syndromes like SMA syndrome to stenosis to median ocular ligament syndrome to involvement by, the, uh, by tumors like pancreatic cancer or aneurysms. That's what I'm gonna be telling you today. Of course, it's critical in looking at normal variations in mesenteric anatomy, as in a case where you might have the SMA and celiac from a common trunk, but I'm not going to speak about uh, these variants today. Let's use our uh, time and look at some pathology. So let's first look at uh, tumor involvement. SMA, celiac, we're always thinking about pancreatic cancer. We think about encasement and... Uh, Let's not look at pancreatic cancer. Let's show you an example of a large mass with this vessel encasement. You can see the mass on the volume-rendered uh, sort of anterior projected views, but it's hard to really ascertain the relationship of the mesenteric vessels in the aorta, and that's why that's best seen on the sagittal projection, which you can see very nicely there, the encased uh, SMA, for example. This is a large, smooth mesenteric mass consistent with a lymphoma. Or this case where there's a carcinoid tumor involving both the SMA and a little bit the SMV. You can see the mass in the mesentery. You can see its calcifications. About two-thirds of carcinoids calcified. There's desmoplastic reaction. Very nice classic example. Now, it's not just with tumors. Here's a patient with Crohn's disease. You see the thickened bowel. You see the uh, changes within the mesenteric vasculature. The big difference, of course, with Crohn's compared to the other process I showed you is that the vascular changes are typically seen in the peripheral or end vessels. We're looking at the vasorecta. We're looking at hyperemia to bowel. We're looking at thickening and increased numbers of vessels. So yes, it's the vascular map and it's mesenteric CT angiography, but it's not the thing we're thinking about with that sagittal view, which is more of the proximal pathology. Let's look at another one, SMA syndrome. That's how you diagnose it. It's that sagittal view. You can see what happens, normal left, abnormal right. The angle between the SMA and the aorta decreases. The distance decreases. You get compression of the duodenum. You get compression of the renal vein with the nutcracker phenomena. The SMA syndrome goes by many different names, from Wilkie's syndrome to uh, chronic duodenal ileus. It's typically seen and described initially in patients with marked weight loss, 
We've seen it in patients with anorexia nervosa, which is a situation where there's often dramatic, very rapid weight loss. Typically, just from those of you who love measurements, SMA angle to the aorta is typically 45 degrees. With an SMA syndrome, it's typically less than 10 degrees in my experience. The normal distance SMA to aorta is 10 to 20 millimeters, while it's about 2 to 8 in SMA syndrome. Now, when you look at the axial views, what you might see is a patient like this with a distended stomach and looks like gastric outlet obstruction, could be duodenal ulcer, could be many things. When you look at that one axial view, you do see that the SMA and the aorta are pretty close to each other. And you see it on this axial view as well. On this axial view, you very nicely see the transition of dilated bowel at the level of the SMA. You see that on the coronal view. And you see it again in the coronal view where there's a transition, but it's best seen sagittally. Look at the narrowing. Look at the distance between the SMA and the aorta. There is no distance. No wonder the patient is obstructed. And you can see the problems with treating these patients. Another example, dilated stomach, dilated duodenum. Here's the second portion of the duodenum. Look how it stops at the level of the patient's SMA. Here it is going from 3D to 2D, dilated duodenum right to the SMA. There's the decreased distance, the decreased angle. Classic SMA syndrome. This patient had anorexia nervosa. Another thing we see, and here's just one more example. Another thing we see not uncommonly, often it's an incidental finding, but can be confused with many things, sometimes it's symptomatic. It's patients with median awkward ligament syndrome, and what happens in that situation, the median awkward ligament is low-lying, it pushes on the celiac, compresses it, narrows it, can cause postenotic dilatation, can cause obstruction, and it's typically like a J-shaped configuration, as in the drawing on your right. And here it is very nicely shown on the reconstructed views. You can see it's narrowed. And when you target it, look at that J shape. You see that very, very nicely in this example. Again, easy diagnosis, sagittal perspective. On the anterior perspective, here's some volume-rendered views. What you're seeing is a dilated GDA, some collaterals around the pancreatic head, because that's how the patient gets supplied blood to the hepatic artery. It goes from the SMA to the GDA to the hepatic artery. Another example. Here you're seeing some narrowing of the patient's um, celiac and SMA. The patient has an aneurysm, but look at the patient's uh, celiac. It's more than the aneurysm. It's the median arcuate ligament syndrome with postenotic dilatation. And then here we nicely see the collaterals around the pancreatic head with grayscale volume rendering and MIP and with color mapping. And one thing to be careful, non-contrast CTs, it can simulate nodes, it can simulate a pancreatic mass when the vessels aren't opacified, and I've seen it confused also with portal vein thrombosis and cavernous transformation of the portal vein. Now, we do lots of CTs now in patients with abdominal pain looking for mesenteric ischemia, and in those situations, you're looking at the vessels for patency, partial narrowing versus occlusion, now, it's true you can see occlusion or near occlusion, as in this case on axial images. If you just catch the vessel correctly, as in this case or this example, you can see the SMA clot tracking down the vessel. It's not totally occluded, but one would admit the sagittal view is much easier. You see it. You see the extent. You see the vessel still patent, but there's 90% compromise or in this set of images where you see it very nicely as well. 
And whether you go from 2D to 3D, regardless of how you do it, it's really the optimal way of visualizing the presence or absence of occlusion or thrombosis or just narrowing. Another example, here's a patient with uh, increasing abdominal pain. You can see the branches of the SMA are small, but it's only when you get closer on the sagittal view that you see the lateral component defining the thrombus for several centimeters. And you can see changes in vessel flow on axial images. You can see it on coronal images. But I will tell you, the best way of looking at it is on the sagittal view. The sagittal view is what really makes it easier. And you can see case after case I'm showing you. Look at the clot in this example. Yes, you can see it on the SMA, on the uh, axial view, but it's so much easier to define extent. And reality is, I've seen many cases where it's missed, simply looking at the axial images or underestimated in terms of extent. Now, mesenteric arterial aneurysms are something else I want to briefly discuss. And uh, they're pretty uncommon, but we're seeing them more frequently. Typically, we would see them in the splenic artery. Now, we're seeing them everywhere. In the celiac artery, for example, you can see here the focal dilatation of the celiac, better seen in 3D imaging with a normal SMA. And here it is from directly above. So, Aneurysms are critical, they may need to be embolized, they may need to be resected, they can spontaneously rupture. Splenic artery aneurysms, which are one of the most common, more common in patients with cirrhosis, for example, or patients who've been pregnant. Uh, celiac aneurysms, a range of perspectives, often it's patients with uh, um, no specific clinical history. Hepatic artery aneurysms can be due to patients with prior pancreatitis. Here's a large hepatic artery aneurysm with extensive thrombus. Uh, again, these can be confused with pseudocyst on non-contrast CT. Here's a nice example of the 3D mapping in this example. And here's another case of a very large hepatic artery aneurysm. Here it's calcified. Boy, can you make a terrible mistake in this case. In this patient with a history of pancreatitis, call this a pseudocyst. It would be catastrophic if you tried to drain it. And I've seen a number of cases now where these aneurysms, or even sometimes pseudoaneurysms, look very much like pseudocysts or calcified cystic lesions. So you want to be very careful. If you give IV contrast, you're not going to make the error. On non-contrast CT, I can tell you, you've got to be careful. One syndrome where we see mesenteric artery aneurysms, and aneurysms basically everywhere, Loewy-Dietz syndrome, Hal Dietz at Hopkins, excellent article coming out in AJR by Pam Johnson, and Hal Dietz, and Loewy's, who's now in Paris. But you can see beautiful example. Look at the size of that aneurysm of the patient's SMA. I've never seen such a good SMA aneurysm, be it VRT or be it MIP. Now, in the aneurysm category, let me speak about something similar, which is the sections. So we can see the sections very nicely on CT and geography. Whether it's this case of a celiac uh, artery dissection, a couple more images. At times, or most commonly, we'll see dissections in the celiac, or in this case, SMA. SMA dissection, for example, is most commonly associated or as part of a abdominal aortic dissection tracking into the SMA. Here you can see very nicely a dissection of the SMA, which is seen nicely on 3D. But this patient had postprandial pain, presented like an ulcer or pancreatitis. Uh, this can infarct the bowel. It's a critical diagnosis. So it's something we can see if we look for. 
And now that we're doing so many good vascular studies, it's something that you will see more commonly. Again, most common dissections relate to uh, dissection extension from an aortic dissection, nicely shown in this example, or evaluation of stent patency. Once the patient has a stent place, we can look at the mesenteric vessels, SMA, celiac, whatever you want to look at. We can look at stent patency. We can look at where the stent is positioned. So again, that sagittal view, curved planar reconstruction is really an ideal way of doing things. In saying that, hopefully I've reviewed with you some of the common mesenteric vascular pathologies with my focus not so much on each entity, but on the total approach Sagittal views, particularly 3D sagittal reconstructions, are critical. Analysis of the data in a sagittal NPR view, uh, as well as with 3D mapping with MIP and volume rendering, is critical to make the right diagnosis in the right patient at the right time. And with that, I wish you a good day.